Hey, what's up, guys? Dan from Spilling the Tea of Pico Podcast. Today, I had the opportunity to sit down with Gavin Fong and talk about real estate. Gavin's part of the Core Asset Real Estate team, uh, downtown Toronto, and he actually moved here from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. So he's got some interesting insight on what got him into real estate and uh, what he foresees in the future. And he's been in the industry a little while, so um, really good conversation. And he's got a killer mustache. Um, watch for him in the next Top Gun. I don't know, but maybe. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Grab a tea and we'll catch you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to Spilling the Tea, a podcast brought to you by Pico Mortgages. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and in this series, we'll be interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, and really anyone that's got a story that I think is worth sharing with you, the viewers. So sit back, relax, I hope you enjoy it, and please comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Dan with Pico Mortgages, and you're listening or watching Spilling the Tea. It's a Pico podcast. On this podcast, I get to interview some really interesting folks. And today, I've got Gavin Fong. Gavin Fong's joining us. He's part of the Core Asset Real Estate team. Core Asset is a modern solutions-based brokerage reinventing how real property is sold by empowering some of the top minds in the industry. And Gavin comes to us. He's got a background in design and architecture and he hails from the east coast and now calls toronto his home so gavin thanks for joining us today thanks for having me on my first podcast by the way right on cool well you can't say that again right it'll uh <laughs> and hopefully we'll have you That's back it. on once so you know what really interested uh and, and caught my attention here besides you know your tech talks are just fantastic i think what you're doing on social media is is great there but uh your story too you know from coming from the east coast and then sort of and you explained this to me sort of off camera where it was uh you likened uh you grew up in dartmouth which was kind of similar to scarborough uh in relation to toronto so i guess the yeah. So what, like, what made you get into real estate? Like, what was your catalyst to say, Hey, you know what? I want to get into real estate. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, when I was younger, I actually was sick for a little while. Um, and all my schoolwork had to be brought back home to me. And there was a lot of time doing not other things. So I spent a lot of time watching TV and, uh, the options were slim. There was like soap operas. There were you know, kids shows. Uh, and then I really fell in love with HGTV. So I watched a lot of TV with real estate and design right and all that stuff. And I just grew to really love it. And when I was quite young, I had wanted to be a architect and that actually did not pan out. Um, <laughs> but that, that interest stayed there for, uh, for a long time, obviously. And uh, here we are. Um, I guess what happened in terms of getting into real estate in Toronto I had worked at a couple marketing companies, um, like video production companies, and I, I just started getting tired of not having control over what I was doing. Uh, and I wanted to have more of like an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, so what happened, I had a chance encounter with somebody who was doing quite well in real estate. Um, they seemed to have everything figured out, you know, a lot of the lifestyle that I wanted to have. And it kind of put together so many other components of things that I like into one job. So I started to investigate it 
And then I actually got laid off from my production company. So mm. <laughs> it was kind of all of those things coming together at the right time. Perfect storm there, right? I mean, you had all of sort of the ingredients and you were able to kind of put them all together. And I mean, sometimes that is a blessing in disguise when you have something like yeah. uh, that catalyst, right? Because you're kind of on the the edge and and do I take the plunge or don't I? But if someone kind of pushes you and says, hey, look, Evan, um, we, uh, you don't have a job tomorrow or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good motivator. That's a strong motivator to say, okay, well, maybe it's time to kind of shift gears and, uh, and get into this. It's interesting that, yeah, you speak of uh, HGTV and all of sort of the things that you, you, you find very um, alluring. You're attracted to uh, uh, certain, you know, things that you would, you know, Back in the day, I would consider some of the things I was doing as hobbies, but I look at it now and I'm like, well, wow, that plays an integral part in how I run my business. So uh, it's, and I mean, all of those components there really do factor in when it comes to, um, you know, buying a home or selling a home or staging a home. Um, so you you got interested in this when you're working at home, or sorry, you were studying at home, you're do, doing a lot of work at home, you had some downtime. Um, so how was that shift though to go basically from the east coast in a smaller town to come to toronto like and did you get licensed when you came here to, uh, to toronto or was it was it in the east coast and then you kind of shifted and brought your license over here like what was how was that like yeah um i moved to toronto when i was 20 years old uh, i moved halfway through my degree i started it in uh nova scotia and right. i i just had been living at home i moved living the same life for so long, I needed a big change. And I had come to visit a friend who was living here in Toronto. And uh, I had an amazing time, met a lot of great people and I moved or I went home and I told my parents that I was moving and I moved two months later. I started transferring all my credits over. It was a very quick decision. And now that I'm saying that now, I feel like I'm, I ended up, a lot of my quick decisions have panned out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's yeah. just a gut decision, right? Like that's. Right something that you're really feeling very passionate about. Uh, and I needed to change up my life. And I moved and I finished my degree in uh, for a Bachelor of Commerce at, I guess now Toronto Metropolitan U uh, University. And uh, I started working uh, straight out of university uh, at a small video production company. They mostly did like mining videos, but I did get to have a little bit of creative input and uh, use my degree and do all those things. And nice, yeah. then I moved over to another uh, production company that did marketing for food companies. And that was fun. Uh, not so great for my waistline, but uh, I did learn a lot. And that's where I started to kind of really want to get control of my own business and do my own thing. And that's the company that I got laid off for. And then I started moving into real estate. So it's um, all those small little steps, right? That sort of add up to where you are today. And that's, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's pretty interesting because you mentioned too that, uh, you know, you started your real estate career with uh, Core Asset and seven years later, you're still there. So that actually, you know, that speaks volumes too on, on sort of the culture that, uh, uh, that you guys have over there. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> we, we talked a little bit about your, your, social media at what point did you start and say hey look um because obviously those are skills that uh you know marketing yourself um come in really handy when it comes to running a business you're essentially running your own business here as a as a realtor or sales um professional so 
at what point did you say, hey, maybe this platform, um, I should be on it or I can utilize it for uh, my business? Yeah, it, uh, it took a long, a lot of, let's say, soul searching um, to get to that point because I had spent so long trying to avoid being on social media. Um, yeah, me too. Exactly, right? And here it's, I am with a podcast, so I don't, I don't know. What <laughs> well, the thing is, you can't really escape it, especially when you're in industries like you and I, um, that we need to be out there in the public. You need to be visible to people so that they know where to find you, they know how to communicate with you. Um, and something that really made me get over myself, which was the main problem, was someone told me, um, you need to look at it as promoting your brand and not yourself. Um, mm which I know they seem like interchangeable things when you're your own company. But once I realized that this is for my business and it's to move myself forward on that front, and it's not just because I'm promoting me as a person. Yeah, you're um, not being vain about it. You're like, yeah, this is just one more tool in the toolbox to get your business to the next level. Yeah, exactly. That's... And the, the thing is like, people used to back in the day would put their you know advertisements on bus shelters and things like that, or billboards. And that's right. where people would see that. But when was the last time that you called an agent from a billboard or a bus shelter? Right, yeah. Or yeah. heard of that happening. Everybody's finding someone through social media. And if not finding them through social media, if they get it from a referral from a friend or a colleague, they're gonna Google search them. They're gonna find their social profiles and go through as much as they can. Right. And for me, it, uh, the best part about it is that I can, um, show people who I am and they can figure out if they're going to enjoy working with me or not. hundred percent. Yeah. I think even if it's like, if they don't do it consciously, subconsciously, as you kind of watch these videos and, uh, you know, dig a little bit deeper into who you are as a person, you start to say, okay, well you, you vet them. And, and really, I think you're right. Like the, the days of bus shelters and, uh, uh, just that's more brand awareness on a larger uh, scale, maybe. But um, in this type of industry, people want to work with people that they know or they feel comfortable with. And um, yeah, it's definitely a platform where, you know, I got to admit, I'm I'm guilty of it, too. I'll go down a rabbit hole. And the next thing you know, I think, uh, you know, I'll get an invite to that person's uh, birthday party because we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy to kind of, you know, get that. Um, get that relationship, which is great for, for what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what kind of content do you like producing? Cause I've spoken and, and I've seen some TikToks and Instagram uh, stories or, or reels where, you know, they'll focus on certain aspects of real estate. What is it that you like to focus on? Yeah. I, I like to focus on content that just brings more of a realistic perspective to the consumer or the buyers mm. or the sellers, because I feel like we're projected or we're, we're shown all the time these really expensive house tours and things like that. And while I think there's a place, a time and place for that, I don't think that's necessarily something that's bringing a lot of value to my clients. Um, right. Mind you, I do do some videos that are just really silly videos that have no point to them. Like it would yeah. be like the trending videos or something like that. But it brings joy to people. And I think I can show my personality more that way than if I'm doing just a house tour. And then if I do do a house tour, it's normally with a voiceover commentary. And it's fun because I can show my personality and people can get to know me uh, yeah. even before they work with me. Right. Um, and that's, that's just one of the best things about it is that 
people already know you, so you're going to get along, presumably. Um, And I didn't have to go to, you know, 40 different networking events to meet those people. Um, And one of the things that I told myself, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's people coming to you versus you going to people, which is great. Uh, And one of the things I told myself when I started (laughs) was that I will never go to another networking event again if I do this. And I have yet to go to one. Nice. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting since since COVID hit and uh, we, we were dealing with a whole new normal for, you know, 24 months or longer, and we're still kind of getting out of it, but it really shifted people's mindsets, like gone were the open houses or uh, a lot of in-person events. I mean, you and I spoke a little bit about you guys were, you and your brokerage road at a... Um, I guess like a team building a golf event, right? We wouldn't have seen that uh, a year ago, but when it comes to sort of building a relationship with people, we've shifted it. So it's uh, it can be online. Um, and I, th- I think that's definitely changed things as far as the landscape goes. Um, you can sit back and you can do these house tours without even really leaving, uh, you know, the comfort of your couch. And then to have commentary with someone that, Hey, I, I know Gavin uh, is even, even better. Um so right. yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So I guess the other question I have is, um, uh, are you auditioning for Top Gun three or uh, <laughs> that, okay, that, so that mustache is pretty pretty baller? I gotta admit. Just to be clear, I had mustache. I had the mustache. Yeah. It's not named mustache. Uh, I had it free top gun, so I'm gonna right on. Okay, I'm, gonna I'm sure you got a lot guns. of that yeah. too, right? Because that was that was All actually a TikTok trend too. Yeah. Oh, the mustache. I can see yeah. it. I, yeah. uh, I, I needed it to balance out the rest of my face. Got it. Without yeah, no, mustache, it's, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's, it's great. It, it, it definitely suits you. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit because I want to also talk um, a bit about things that are going on right now in the market. And obviously, this market is a little, a little different than what we've experienced over the last 100%. few years. And you've had the ability to kind of see both sides of, you know, pre and post COVID as a salesperson. Um, But I think this is the first time in a while that we're also facing uh, massive interest rates and inflation um, that is really kind of putting a damper on things. So there's a lot going on here. Um, Yeah. So I guess for, for both buyers and sellers, like if, if you were to work with a buyer or seller right now, like what what's something or a, a few tips that you can give to them uh, as they enter a fall market um, that is a little different than maybe what they were expecting? I think they need to understand that the circumstances that we are in are completely different and that we need to approach the process differently. Um, and people are so used to everything being sold, you know, with an offer presentation date, you know, a week after it's been listed. And that's not how it's working right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most properties are sitting on the market for much longer. With that said, you know, there's a lot of properties that come onto the market that are really sought after for location or they're moving ready. Those properties are still getting multiple offers. And since there's no offer presentation date, it's just happening really quickly. So those properties are listed on the market eight or so people get through on the same day or the next morning and there's four offers on it by the evening of the next day. So it's like the Pete, their buyers are there. Just everybody's kind of skirting on the sidelines right now, right? Because there's not a lot of inventory that's sparking a lot of 
interest or joy or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So people are just like, I'm going to wait and see how things progress. One of the main things I think people were waiting for was, you know, the uh, mortgage rate adjustment uh, right. and the end of the law, Labor Day long weekend because, you know, the summer's historically quite low on activity for real estate and everything picks up in the fall. Right. People probably took a little bit of a break, went to the cottage, forgot about the housing crisis uh, and uh, are now coming back in full force. So my expectation for the fall is that we're going to see a lot more activity. We should see more listings. Um, I don't expect prices to change that dramatically. And let's say for the next six months, I think we could expect pretty modest price growth or decreases um, as we still kind of try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Like there's yeah. so many. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, you know, we, ha we have some uh, banks and economists that get out there and they, they start predicting that, hey, look, we're going to see massive decreases. And I think one of the, the websites, uh, a lot of people, listeners should probably, I mean, if you're going to go visit it, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but Better Dwelling is is notorious for, you know, doom and gloom articles that say, <laughs> hey, peak to trough, we're going to see 43% or 50% decrease. And I think that doesn't help the narrative with what's really going on uh, in the market. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, put some people on the sidelines. That's for sure. But do you think, um, let's say compared to last year, right? Last year we were kind of, we're still dealing with lockdowns and, and so forth. Rates were a lot lower. How was, uh, the fall market last year compared to sort of what's going on this year or what, what you expect to happen this year? Yeah, I guess it was maybe the whole, maybe the inverse, right? Like, mm. Everything was just picking up, picking up, picking up because we were getting, we were having low and low, lower and lower supply. Um, right. Consumer interest in buying like larger properties outside of the main core, especially in Toronto, I know, uh, was increasing. So people were buying more houses further out of the core, kind of expanding out, and everything was filling in between because you would expect like the condo prices to be also plummeting if everybody's moving out of the city, but they stayed pretty consistent. Um, and it's just, it's, it's different. I think there was, it's funny to say there was more surety back then, but it was pretty obvious that prices were going to increase right? because yeah. there was nothing, there was only one or two plates that were spinning. Now there's like 10 plates that are spinning and nobody really knows what the direction is going to be because the dust hasn't settled. I'm using way too many analogies. But. I love it though. I was going to say, yeah, you're just, you're, you're whipping out these analogies, but they're, they're quite relevant, right? Because it's true. We are dealing with so many different in like external factors that uh, some of them play on the psychology of buying. Um, yeah. and, and then there's other ones that are the real world, right? So yesterday, obviously we had the bank of Canada make the announcement with interest rates. Um, I got out my crystal ball and, you know, part of that is the overnight index swap market. I was kind of taking a look at that and there was about an 82% chance that we were going to see a 75 basis point hike. So the market had already built that in um, and not to say it happens all the time or it's, it's um, but it's a pretty good indicator of what is going to happen. So they came out, they announced 75 basis point increase this morning. We just got hit like, 
the amount of emails and notifications coming out from all the lenders. Okay, interest rate, we're increasing the uh, prime lending rate now. So anyone in a variable rate mortgage or that has a HELOC, I mean, these are things that have to be addressed because if you have an existing mortgage, it's going to cost you more money. If you were considering buying and you had a pre-approval prior to yesterday, guess what? The stress test rates actually changed. So now people are like, oh, crap, uh, maybe I'm, I can't afford what I was able to afford even just a few weeks ago. So it's definitely um, like those have real world effects as inflation uh, also does too, right? The cost of everything is kind of going up and we're trying to get that back down. Um, but then, yeah, there's there's other factors that we have to deal with. Um, and, and especially when you look at and you're like, oh, like last year it was such a different market. But right. yeah, there were, there were different plates that we were spinning, <laughs> you know, that um, uh, that were pretty predictable. And we kind of knew where the, the market was going and there really wasn't anything that was uh, impacting it uh, too much to say, okay, well, now we've got to deal with a bunch of other forces on, um, on the market here. I think the one thing though that hasn't changed is our supply issues, right? And right. so it, right? So even though we're seeing more inventory sort of hit the market, uh, I think once people start to get a little bit more comfortable with, well, hold on a second, the sky isn't falling. Like I, I put out an, um, a newsletter yesterday and in it I had uh, outlined, I compiled uh, data from the last 25 years on fixed and variable rate mortgages uh, and compared it. And the average five-year fix was 5.3%. That's still higher than what we're getting today. So we're below our 25-year right. average. If you start to look at sort of the, the longer term on what's going on, you start to realize, okay, well, you know, the last couple of years we were pretty spoiled. And I definitely think that, uh, you know, things are going to start picking up again and inventory is going to be choked out. And, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have higher prices for those that are looking to buy. But anyway, yeah. that's my two cents. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with you about uh, the supply issue. And I think this is probably the controversial opinion, but we're going to continue having a supply issue in Toronto until we start mm. changing the zoning bylaws. Let's talk about that then. Like, so with Toronto, you know, there's a lot of muni municipalities. I had the mayor of Guelph on here a little while ago, and we were talking about the challenges within his uh, city and how uh, they were looking to combat it. The What I've noticed, though, and from, from uh, discussions with him and, and some other folks is that the municipalities are the ones that set sort of their, their goals or their targets for affordable housing or housing um, in general. And if we add all of that up, uh, as an aggregate, we're nowhere near what CMHC is determining we need in order to um, have enough inventory by 2030. So in Toronto specifically, like how is that factoring in? Like what's going on there? I think just like in terms of the housing issue and, and mm -hmm. red tape. Yeah. I think everything is just moving too slowly because of red tape. Um, and I can't speak too much to the political factor of it because yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm not a politician. No, but no. I am you a could be agent. with that. I would vote for you if you, you know, you, oh, you showed mustache? up with that mustache. Totally, that would just be my whole platform. Just put, the, would be. put the mustache, more mustaches. Yeah, exactly. I'll vote mustache. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, but I, go ahead. sorry, I was just going to say. So, but in in Toronto, I know there were a few, uh, like for example, laneway housing. That was something that kind of came right. up on the mat and uh, map, and then people embraced it. But 
in that situ or in that case, like, what are you noticing? Are you noticing more houses that are applying for laneway? How is this something yeah. uh, that could really help um, uh, with with our problems with inventory and supply? One hundred percent. I think yeah. laneway housing is a great solution. I think it also allows um, like homeowners to uh, build more wealth themselves versus you know having that property sold to a developer who's going to build you know much larger property than what the NIMBYs would want in their area. Uh, right. And, and what, ha what happens a lot of the time is that it just ends up being a multi-generational property. So a lot of the time, the new home that's built in the backyard, the parents would move into, and then the kids would stay in the front house. And, you know, you maybe live too close to your parents, but in these times, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. You're not getting that Instagram <laughs> house right off the bat. Right. And it, it definitely, yeah, yeah it gives a, a great option for people. And I, I noticed there was definitely an uptick um, this year on people that were specifically, if they're buying in Toronto, they were looking for properties that either um, had the potential they could easily uh, put a laneway house in there or had an existing one as sort of like mm -hmm. a mortgage helper. Right. So right. yeah, that's interesting. And um, what, what are your thoughts on pre-construction Toronto? Cause I know, you know, when, when I lived downtown, I was at uh, King and Spadina and, uh, King West and, and it was, um, there was cranes everywhere. I mean, you couldn't get yeah. out your door and not look in any direction and, and count like a dozen cranes. So what are your thoughts on pre-construction as far as an investment right now? Because what I've heard from some of the developers, like I work with a few developers here and then out West and, what the biggest challenge is obviously raw material costs because right. that has been all you know through the roof and and pretty unpredictable so to sort of factor that in as part of the hard cost there um do you think it's a, a, a still a, a good deal to get into pre-construction or let me hear it's a thoughts. it's a tough question i mean it really depends a lot on the developers because you want to find a developer that is quite secure in their position um that has good connections with providers for these raw materials, um, because we should be expecting increased costs for just transporting these things with all right. the increases to, you know, gas. Good uh, so I'm sure we've all heard those horror stories about uh, developers canceling projects and not getting the deposits back or wasn't there something. one in Barry, Gavin, that had uh, I think the developer was requesting like additional payments or something as they exactly. Got yeah. So I mean, so you would recommend maybe stay with a more of a reputable developer if you're looking at a pre-construction? Definitely investigate it much further mm -hmm. um, or at least have your agent do that uh, yeah. and, and really see if that's what fits in with your financial goals. Because I think back in the day, like back in the day, I mean, let's say 2016, when you were buying pre-construction, you were buying pre-construction with prices uh, set for 2016. Right. Now, when you're buying pre-construction, they're setting those prices for, on a per, price per square foot basis on that price they expect it to be when the project is finished, which doesn't really provide you with that opportunity to grow as much. Um, now, those are all predictions on what they think the cost is going to be. In previous years, we had huge growth rates that were beyond what we could have predicted. And people prospered off that. They made a lot of money from, you know, doing an assignment sale or even just living right. in the property for a little bit. Now it's much smaller of a gap that you have an opportunity to make that money. Uh, and so the question is, is it risk? It's is it a risk that you want to take. And if it's something that you're buying as an investment, I can get it. But if it's something that you're looking to move into by your, your you know, yourself, 
Um, I'm an impatient person and I would definitely just want to buy what's right in front of me, which I, what I can see. It's and tangible. Make sure that nothing's you can walk change. through it. Right, yeah. exactly. I'm like, you know, sometimes you can buy a uh, from the developer and you know, you're supposed to have 10 foot ceilings and then you end up with nine and you don't really have control over that. It's a decision that they get to make about the building. Uh, you can't change yeah. my ceilings when I, uh, see it <laughs> right you can't do anything there you can't request a higher yeah. ceiling <laughs> yeah uh oh those are really good points um and you're right too like years ago when i was uh, doing some pre-construction uh in toronto that was one of the alluring features of a pre-construction project is like hey you know we get it now and we have all that appreciation we're getting it kind of like a discount um yeah. and and uh you know when it would finish in three or four years the uh price of all surrounding properties it was i mean it was a great time to be in pre-construction but i think a lot of developers had like you said caught on to it and said okay well now we're going to yeah. bake in sort of the anticipated um uh, market valuation of when it's done and th that's just kind of passing on a little bit of the risk because the assumption there is that we are going to have appreciation uh comparable to what we've had in the past and yeah so interesting to note it's always a, a definitely a good idea even if you're going directly to a developer get a realtor involved gavin i'm sure you'd be happy to help people out too and in, in navigating that because often uh times i've noticed too uh, you can get things like developer fees capped and other things uh, and negotiations just go a lot smoother. If, uh, if you got a salesperson in your, on your side Yeah, and it doesn't cost anyone anything more. There so you go. You got it. Um, okay. So get out your crystal ball now. Cause I want to talk a little bit about 2023 right. and then beyond what, what do you think we're like, we're in for next year um, market wise in Toronto? Yeah, I like I said, I think we're going to continue to have a supply issue. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm hoping that we're going to have more listings coming out this fall compared to the summer, but I think that the price growth that we're going to expect is going to be much more modest than it has been in years previously. I think people are going to start seeing a lot more dramatic uh, headlines about how much lower it is compared to the prices of last year because they were appreciating at this time. So if we see even right. just no price growth, it's going to be decreasing comparatively, uh, if I made sense there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just my point being, be educated about the uh, market. And if you are working with someone, make sure that they're educated about the market. Uh, and uh, we'll just... <laughs> what happens i know i know it's so I, difficult like to to really kind of figure out where where things are going i think being able to you know you're really going to have to if you're in the market as a buyer or seller it's it's more important than ever uh, that you you know kind of surround yourself with the team that really yeah eats and breathes and, and and deals with this day in and day out because the market changes so quickly Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really important that if you're considering whether it's an investment property or you're a first time home buyer, I mean, you've got to know if, if rules are changing or inventory is changing or, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, 
like you said, something that happens that helps with uh, additional units on the market or whatever, like it's uh, all of these things are going to play into how um, how the market unfolds next year. I'm just hoping we get inflation under control because I'm sick and tired of everything just costing way more. Avocados were like, I think I was paying like three bucks an avocado a few days ago. And I was like, holy crap. Well, like, when did this happen? Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> so I've had, to, it's definitely affected uh, my avocado avocado uh, supplies over the last uh, few months and I'm not happy about it but I definitely whatever. have have noticed it when I go to the grocery store and I'm like this is the price of things now I definitely feel right. old though like yeah in my <laughs> yeah. day <laughs> yeah no I hear you um okay and and before we wrap up here I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, core because the thing that struck me with this is that core asset uh, for all of you guys listening out there or even watching um so actually, I, I spent some time at the Corasset um, brokerage uh, location and beautiful office. I mean, it's uh, unless you guys change in the last little while, but it was a really nice office. It was great to kind of sit in and, and, and work and just kind of be around. So besides having, you know, pretty nice office, kick-ass office, uh, why, why, why are you with uh, Core uh, for seven years? Like, what do you, what do you find that they, they offer? To kind of keep yeah. you on board my, my longest relationship um so <laughs> the the team is just so great and uh we don't work in a, a team per se but everybody at the brokerage just is always on the slack channel it's always full of information people are asking questions it's active like it, it's exactly what i would have wanted at a brokerage versus if you go i have friends that work at say like a remax and they have like a hundred agents at the office they don't right. know any of them and it's, it's, that's not the environment that I want. I want to yeah. work with people. Like I like working with people. That's why I'm in this industry. Yeah. Um, I don't like working with people all the time, but I do like working with people. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's great because in, in, in what you're doing, um, having a team that you can kind of lean on, like no one has all the answers when it comes to anything. Right. Yeah. So if you're able to kind of bounce things off people at the end of the day, it only helps, um, giving your your clients best class service right and being able to answer those questions especially if they're they're pretty time sensitive so that's pretty cool that uh that culture is definitely embraced there um and uh, i'd love to have you back on gavin a little bit more sure. so we can we can get out the crystal ball i um uh, I know you've got a flight lesson right now uh, for you got to get to uh, for your next uh, uh, for Top Gun three. Um, oh yes. Which, have you said? Did you actually see Top Gun two? I mean, I actually haven't seen it yet. So oh, man, I, I am I not prepared for the level of mustache, but. Yeah, get your pen out. People are going to be asking for your autograph. So I saw it like three oh, right. times. I'm a little bit of like an aviation nut. Um, okay, gotcha. I'm in the middle of getting my my pilot's license. So it's uh, it's something that I'm. Uh, it was yeah, it was a damn good movie. So at some point, I've heard, uh, I've heard. Yeah, I haven't I haven't made it out to the movie theater in a long time. So man, you know and that's the thing. Like we're we're kind of getting to a point now where people are coming out of their con- cocoons, and it's like right. I forgot how to socialize with people at a pub. <laughs> This is how it works, right? Instead of drinking in your basement. No, and not, not to say you're drinking. You know what I mean, right? A lot of things that we yeah, kind yeah. Of, we'd have friends over and we do things where now you're out in public or like, yeah, you're right. The first, I think more now that you mention it, I think I probably went to the movies so often because I just miss going to the movies. And it was a good yeah. movie. And I was like, okay, well, let's keep going back because it's uh it's a good time. But it was 
literally years uh, before that since, uh, since yeah. I was at the theater. So I've, I've been to a few since the uh, yeah. flag, but uh, not, not, not lately, but I do miss the theater. Uh, Cool. Well, look, Gavin, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, guys, if you want to check out Gavin's uh, social media profiles, I'm going to link to it uh, below. So um, if, uh, if you want to just follow it over there and then uh, Gavin's uh, contact information will be available too. So I appreciate you taking the time, Gavin, to uh, chat with us today. For sure. Thanks for having me.